And we are back. This is Moving Forward with Young Voices here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. Hey, I'm happy to welcome Samuel Mangold-Lennett back to the show. And Samuel, for those who are meeting you for the first time, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, uh, thanks again for having me. Uh, Big fan of the program. Uh, I am a resident of Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I am a part of the Young Voices Contributor Cohort for uh, July of 2021 through December 2021. So uh, I guess I'm wrapping up my tenure here relatively soon. Um, Lately, I've been doing a lot of research on uh, the bipartisan infrastructure deal that uh, was recently passed into law at the end of November. And yeah, that's pretty much it for right now. I had to look close to see if you did infrastructure in air quotes, because it seems <laughs> like it seems like this uh, infrastructure deal covers just about everything except actual infrastructure. I'm looking at an article you wrote for townhall.com. The bipartisan infrastructure deal will worsen economic conditions. And Samuel, this is I guess it's its time to face some hard truths. Let's talk about economic conditions. First of all, let's kind of get a, a sense of where we are economically. I don't know many people who would say we're in a healthy place. How would you describe our situation? Uh, I would tend to agree with those people. Um, you know, for all intents and purposes, we're at the end of the COVID-19 pandemic. And after we artificially um, shut down the economy and not artificially shut down the economy. We literally shut down the economy nationally uh, and throughout 2020. It sh- opening it back up, we should have had unprecedented economic growth. Uh, that just hasn't happened. And the more mu- the longer we strangle the economy and the more federal spending that gets authorized, the worse and worse it gets. Uh, you see this with constantly missing employment numbers and the comically morbid amount of inflation we're experiencing right now. Well, and it's what makes this uh, extra creepy to me. And I realize some people will think, you know, Brian, you're wearing a tinfoil hat here. But CNN actually came out and openly talked about how they have been in meetings with the Biden White House about how to best report on economic conditions. Which, which sounds a lot like they're trying to get this, their story straight with those who are currently in power. And, and why would you need to do that if, if your job was just to simply, you know, put the facts out there? Right. I mean, as CNN, especially we're seeing lately is not exactly on the up and up, you know, with all the stuff going on with um, Don Lemon's uh, sexual misconduct lawsuit and with the recent firing of uh, uh, Chris Cuomo, who was um, an anchor, although he probably is more of a commentary person, as is everyone else over there. Uh, CNN is definitely something doesn't smell right. They don't really pass the smell test. Yeah, and and it it tells me too that uh, the the political class, or at least those who are pushing, uh, for instance, the Biden infrastructure uh, deal, they're not willing to face reality too. And and the reality is that even though hey, look at all this money we're giving, there are economic consequences that come when when government dumps billions or trillions of dollars into the economy. Right. I mean, um, just look at you know student loans um, and uh, healthcare. The more the government subsidizes a specific industry, the less competitive and less fiscally responsible that industry becomes. So because the government subsidizes so much money in the student loan industry, universities are able to perpetually raise their tuitions, which causes um, students to take out more and more loans every single year in order to receive an education. It makes those industries uncompetitive, and it ultimately makes the American people worse off. 
Yeah, and something you point out in your article here in townhall at townhall.com is this uh, this deal also pushes private sector internet providers out of the marketplace. Uh, talk to me about that and talk to me about the dangers of uh, having either government or government-affiliated NGOs becoming our primary providers of broadband. Yeah, definitely. Oh, there's, there's two main issues that I see with it. Um, just for context, they're allocating about $100 billion to promote uh, you know, government broadband access. Um, the two issues with that is are rather whenever – the government subsidizes an industry. It just gets really crappy. I look at healthcare. I look at student loans. Uh, the VA, the Veterans Affairs Association, um, they provide healthcare for U.S. veterans. That's universal healthcare for U.S. veterans, and it is one of the worst aspects of the American government. It routinely neglects the people who fought for our freedoms, and a lot of them have suffered and ultimately died because they receive horrible care. Um, and secondarily. Do we really want the government to have more access to the Internet? Do we really, really want them to, to fund an expanding amount of um, uh, uh, broadband access? Because ultimately they can say they can turn off the switch. They can say we no longer want this part of the nation who is relying on us to access the Internet. Uh, it could lead to wrong think crimes it could lead to them just throttling your access because they don't like you it's really murky and nefarious wow now i have to ask this are there any legitimate uh, examples of infrastructure that this bill would, would actually you know fund repair and and maintenance or you know creation of um i mean it kind of depends on what you mean by legitimate uh, I, personally, I think that, you know, American infrastructure is in dire need of a facelift. Um, our highways and bridges aren't exactly in the best state. Um, and the infrastructure bill does allocate billions of dollars to, you know, providing that facelift. Um, but it really kind of does it in alignment with political allegiance. So you see uh, the SALT tax uh, deduction was increased, um, and that overwhelmingly favors coastal blue areas um, who are tend to be more wealthy in the first place. Um, it allows them to reallocate taxpayer funds to um, specific infrastructure projects. It allows um, the bill also allows for um, it, it doesn't really account for red and rural areas, um, despite their reliance upon the interstate highway system, just as much as the rest of the country. Um, it, it, there's a lot of pork in this bill that doesn't really seem to be fair. There's not an equitable distribution of funds throughout the country. And that was one of the concerns I've heard lots of people express is, uh, well, this seems like a lot of favors, you know, for political cronies or uh, connected uh, lobbying groups, you know, to, to cash in on. Something you mentioned, too, that that really struck me is a place where, again, I don't want more government involvement, is the idea that uh, there, there will be... Um, uh, tax requirements on people who hold cryptocurrency and, and things like this. Talk to me about uh, why that's not a good idea. Uh, I mean, it's there, there's a lot of ways to attack that from. Um, ultimately, I am very, very uh, skeptical of it because it's the government wanting to know what's in your wallet. It's them wanting to control how you allocate, save and spend your money. Um with the more with the increasingly mainstream acceptance of cryptocurrency as financial assets and you know 
a lot more institutions allowing you to spend it similar to cash. Um, the government naturally wants you to report that and tell them what you have so you can pay taxes on it. Uh, with people losing faith in the U.S. dollar due to inflation, uh, they're less likely to put their money in the stock market and maybe put it in Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, if Now, you're going to get taxed on it because it's an asset. That's just how taxes work, um, kind of similar to capital gains tax. But it really disincentivizes people to save their money. Why would I put my money into a long-term savings plan of anything if I know I'm going to have to pay an uh, absurd amount of taxes on it? It just it, it doesn't um, it just incentivizes me to save for the future. It just encourages me to put the money under my mattress, more or less. No, that that makes sense. And and this I think this is what what you're pointing out here in your article is, look, all the promises this legislation makes don't really seem to solve as many problems as it just uh, pays out political pork. It pays out political favors, and if it does happen to actually solve a problem, it seems like that's almost an afterthought or an accident. Right. I, I totally agree with that. Um, it's it's kind of called like the bipartisan infrastructure deal sort of as a front. It's bipartisan because there were some Republicans who helped negotiate it, like Senator Rob Portman from my state of Ohio. Uh, but really, it doesn't help anyone other than blue coastal areas. And everyone else is just kind of left holding the bag. Well, see, I'd love to I'd love for those blue coastal areas to just leave me alone here in flyover country. But I'm not so happy about them squeezing my wallet and saying, well, we'll leave you alone, but your wallet, that's another matter. Uh, You and me both. Sure would be nice. We're talking with Samuel Mangold-Lennett. He is a Young Voices contributor. And uh, where can people find you on social media? Where can they find your work? Yeah. uh, So, again, thanks for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Mangold, M-A-N-G-O-L-D underscore Lennett, L-E-N-E-T-T. Okay. Well, keep up the good work. I appreciate you, uh, you know, shining the light on this, and uh, hopefully this will bring some people to a little bit better understanding of what's at stake. I hope we talk again soon. Yes, sir. Uh